surprising in my surroundings. I'm finding the quietest of states these days. Just representation of storm brewing. Amazed that the focus remains the focal focal point of my change. Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. And today is a preview episode for the Rambling Runner virtual half marathon. Not only that, we're going to recap a little bit of the 5K and the 10K as well. I'll tell you what, this series has been, has really become far more than I ever imagined it would become. So many people have been involved. We've had over 2,000 people register for these races. We have over 700 people register for the half marathon. This is absolutely incredible. I want to thank everyone who has been a part of this so far. It really has been so much fun to put on. This episode, we're going to have three parts, just like the other preview episode we had. The first part, uh, not the first part, but basically the three people we're going to be talking to are Kerry Tollefson from the Sea Tolly Run podcast, also a U.S. Olympian who is participating in the, um, basically, <laughs> the Running Podcasters Challenge. Uh, she is just a hoot to talk to. As always, we have Heather Peck, who's one of the best uh, Masters runners in the country and a coach for McCurdy Trained. She is here to provide some expertise from a racing and race strategy and race prep standpoint. And we're also talking to uh, Megan Landmeyer. Uh, she is, I'll tell you what, Talk about a tough lady. This person ran the 5K and the 10K on her balcony in Bogota, Colombia, up in the hills, up at 8,000 feet. Man, this is a conversation that is not to be missed. I'll tell you, all three of these ladies are absolutely exceptional people, all so interesting and providing so much insight. And uh, man, I'll tell you what, these are the kinds of conversations which make me so happy to be a podcaster and someone who's so glad that I'm participating in this race series in general. So without further ado, let's kick it off with Megan Landmeyer. Hello, Megan, and welcome to the show. Thank you. It's good to be here in the midst of my busy schedule. (laughs) Man, it's exciting to have you on. You've been doing something that is pretty difficult to imagine anybody doing, and I'm just so excited to chat with you about so much of this. First of all, um, you're down in, uh, is it uh, Bogota, Colombia? Correct. And you have been part of our virtual race series, the 5K and the 10K so far, which, first of all, hey, it's great. We have international acclaim. We got people from all over the world are doing it. How cool is that? But that's not why we're chatting today. You have not only been doing the virtual race series, you've been doing it on the balcony of your apartment, Megan. First things first, before two weeks ago in that 5K, had you ever in your life run any distance along a balcony? Um, Only when my kids are playing out there or my dog is playing out there. Our balcony is exactly eight of my running strides long. So it is not a place that gets a lot of use. Okay. So what led you to endeavor to do the 5K first? Obviously, that was kind of like the trial run here. What caused you to even entertain the idea of doing a 5K on a balcony that's eight to nine meters long? Well, coronavirus, of course, is the starting point of the virtual race series in general. But Bogota and Colombia in general have one of the stricter quarantines where we are allowed outside one adult to exercise the dog for 20 minutes or to walk to the grocery store if we are not an essential worker. So that has really limited my running time. And in the midst of a very stressful time, like all runners, I want to run. I want to run for more than, you know, 18, 19 minutes by the time I get my dog going and my GPS set up. And there was a guy, I want to say in France, who ran a marathon on his balcony. And all of a sudden, everyone I know started sending me this link to an article and saying, hey, you could do that. Of course, my response was, I would never do that. I can still run outside until I couldn't. 
and then you gave it a whirl, which is which is interesting because you mentioned that right now, as we're recording this, your kids are you know watching a movie to try to keep them quiet while we're doing this whole thing, and your husband's on a spinning bike, which means you had a physical outlet in the house if you so desired. Yeah, I really don't like the spin bike. We have it. We have a trainer, and so we can put my bike up on it, but it's not the same workout. I don't really enjoy biking, and I needed to be outside. Okay, so say on race day two weeks ago, roughly, um, you had set out to do that five k, but instead of doing it on your balcony, you had went and run you know kind of a typical three mile loop that you would normally run. What kind of fitness did you think that you were in if you were able to race the five k the way you had normally would have wanted to? Um, probably like. Maybe 26, 27 minute. I did a marathon in February that did not go well. Um, the Miami Marathon, it took me almost five hours. My goal was to break four. My first half was exactly two hours. So that tells you how badly it went. Um, and we're at altitude. We're at 8,500 feet. So pro yeah, probably like 26 minutes. Okay. So what was what was your pacing strategy for the 5k and how do you, how do you pace yourself, you know, when you go into something like that? Well, it's weird because you cannot get speed. So whereas normally in a 5k you would run that first half mile and think, "Okay, did I go out too fast?" No, you just can't go fast. I have not been able to get under a nine minute mile because I'll crash into the wall and my labradoodle likes to hang out on the balcony and I need to jump over the dog. So there's no pacing other than don't crash into the wall, turn around. All right. So what's the turning strategy? What was the original turning strategy? Like how you were doing it, what direction you would go, and how did it evolve over the course of two races? So the first turning strategy was basically don't crash into the wall. And that wasn't really working because I couldn't get my stride going and I just couldn't get in a rhythm. But now I think I have it where I try to turn so when I'm going north, I turn landing on my right foot. And when I'm going south, I turn landing on my left foot so that I'm always looking out and never turning around to face my own apartment. Bogota is actually a beautiful city when there's no pollution. So right now, I have a great view. We're on the sixth floor where it's a mountain city. So now that I have that down, it can be fairly enjoyable. Not nearly as enjoyable as running outside in Bogota normally. So by facing the same direction on those turns, you're basically making sure that you're not you know, I, I would still think overuse injuries are a possibility here with this, all this turning, but at least you're limiting them by not always turning off the same foot. That's the goal. And I think that the inability to get up speed has helped me avoid overuse injuries because it's not like you can go that fast and turn with a whole lot of force on the knees. Yeah. And what we'll do is, you know, if you're listening to this show and you follow me on Instagram, I'll post one, I'll basically repost one of the videos that you had on your Instagram today or the other day. Basically, it's someone like in your apartment complex videotaping you kind of going back and forth. And that brought up another thing. Cause I was talking to my wife about this. I'm like, all right, if I was in this situation, I wonder if I would try just not turning, like just going, like basically just trying to go forwards and then backwards. So basically just facing one way the whole time. I considered that, but I don't think I have the coordination. Okay. So would, would, would the issue be going backwards and then going, you know, <laughs> over the balcony? <laughs> you know, Over like the balcony, over the dog. I Yeah, I just don't trust myself. But what actually happened with that video, My we have good friends who live in the building right across the street. So we haven't seen them in four weeks, but 
like to talk, but we have physically seen them from balcony to balcony. So my friend texted me and said, I want to get a video and see what you're doing. So I texted her this morning and said, okay, I'm headed out. Going to go do a workout on my balcony. But, you know, I've seen other runners in Bogota when I'm out for my 20 minutes with the dog also running on the balcony. All right. So how do your kids handle this? So first of all, how old are your kids and what, what is their, what is their take on the, on these excursions? So my youngest is four and a half and my oldest is nine. And for the most part, they just stand in front of the sliding glass door and watch, which can be very disorienting because I don't necessarily know that they're there. I try to go before they wake up and frequently they'll wake up while I'm out there. Mostly they just want to get my attention. Hey, can we have breakfast? Um, This morning it was Caroline spilled the milk. So can you come help us in the kitchen? And there was like a giant puddle of milk on the floor. Which is exactly what you want, which is exactly (laughs) what you want when you're quarantined and like having trouble getting outside. Exactly. I was like, oh, good. I'm glad I just went to the store so that there's more milk to replace this giant puddle. But my kids are so used to my husband and I running or biking that they're like, okay, have fun. My nine-year-old has Down syndrome and she has actually finished two 5Ks. So they're like, oh, go mommy, have fun. Hey, that's cool. So yeah, they had... um The most recent one, the Girl Scouts here in Bogota did a 5K for Thanksgiving, and it's a 1K loop. So the little one did 4K, but I think she got carried for part of it. And then the big one ran all 5K. That is awesome. So how long have you been living in Bogota for? We moved here in July, and it's a great running city and fell in love with it. And now... We don't really get to experience what a great running city it is for a while. Oh, yeah. No kidding, right? So I saw before that you originally thought that the quarantine would end before the virtual half. Is that still the case? Or are you about to make this three for three on the balcony? I am deciding about the virtual half on the balcony. This is a lot of pressure now that I'm doing this podcast. I feel like I'll have to try it and see how my knees hold up. The quarantine was supposed to end um, on the night of Easter Sunday, I think at like 11.59 p.m., but it just got extended for two more weeks. All right. So big decisions on your part. You mentioned before when we were uh, sending emails back and forth that you, um, you know, I was like, you're, what you're doing is simply amazing. And you're like, yeah, well, this other guy ran a marathon on his balcony. It's so funny. Like even all runners are like this, right? We always compare ourselves to other people, but never like in the other sense. Like you didn't like, you weren't like, yeah, dude, people complain about running a 5k outside. I did it on a balcony. Like we always compare ourselves to someone who's doing something bigger and bigger. Um, however, with that said, have anyone, re- has anyone reached out to you, uh, to basically say like, man, this is great. Like this is amazing what you're doing because it, re- it truly is something that, you know, not only is it just physically, you know, pretty taxing, I can mention, I can imagine the mental strain being something else too. I mean, shoot, even just running a 10K on a 400 meter track isn't exactly desirable. You know, my friends here have said, oh, you're crazy, but they kind of get it simply because we don't have a lot of other options. I'm just really thankful I have my dog and can run a couple miles with her before I run on the balcony. So in some ways, I think my non-runner friends think it's completely crazy. And my runner friends just ask, how do you not get dizzy? That's fair. That's a fair question. So how about this? Can I, can I throw a strategy out there for you and see if it works out? Sure. Maybe. All right. So say, so, so the Miami Marathon, you ran the first half in two hours. So let's just say, let's just use that two hours because now you're at elevation. Um, let's just say that, say the half takes you roughly two hours. Maybe you just get six dogs, you know, like line up the dogs in your apartment complex and then like 
do one dog for the first 20 minutes and then get to grab the next dog from the lobby. And then you just get six dogs times 20 minutes. And all of a sudden, like you got an outdoor half marathon. I would not be opposed to that. The only problem is I don't know how I'd do the dog handoffs. I can think of one other dog in my building that I know could do a solid 20 minute, two mile. And then I can only think of like chihuahuas and I don't really think that would work real well. Oof, that would be tough. All right. So maybe this maybe this plan isn't going to work, but there might be something there. Maybe the, your other running friends that you see occasionally out on other balconies can somehow bring the dogs to a spot where you can just like pick them up on the go, like 50 meters away from your building. I might need to see who has dogs in different buildings around mine. We live in a smaller building, but I'm sure there's plenty in the neighborhood because it's like living in New York. Bogota's a huge city. All right. So if, if any of the friends are listening to this show, bring your dogs out. This woman needs you. You could be doing the marathon in a month. Who knows? Like you can just you can line up, you know, eighty dogs to do an outdoor marathon in Bogota. You know, I haven't done a long run since February 7th, 8th, whatever day the Miami Marathon was. But, you know, why not? If I'm allowed to run outside, it's very likely that I will be doing the virtual marathon just because I'll be so excited. And shoot, you could even make this into like a revenue producer for you. You know, you could charge as a dog walker. And run the marathon. So instead of like paying someone else to run a marathon, right? So maybe you, maybe you put, put down a couple hundred bucks, you know, just, just to like register for the Miami marathon to say nothing of the travel. Maybe you can make money doing your marathon this time around. I mean, I need to train for Marine Corps, assuming that it happens in October. So this could be a good revenue training plan. The dogs would all be in shape. There you go. All right. So I hope that the quarantine down there ends far before this. But if for some reason it doesn't and you end up doing a balcony marathon, we got to get you back on. Not before, obviously, but after to get the full scoop on how that worked. I'd love to hear how the kids can get involved in aid stations and the like. I'm sure they would love to. The problem is there's not room for them on the balcony. No, they would just open up the slider. <laughs> they would just do just hand, hand, hand off through the slider. Hand out the slider. Boom. Out. I'll get to feel like an elite. I can run by and grab my bottle. I know. You could even do like the elite, like make up the bottles the night before in a really like interesting and strategic way. So you can, you know, you know they, they, you know, do all the cool stuff so they can see them on the tables. Like Alephine had the yarn tied. Yeah, I could be super professional and then have my fans from the apartment building across the street. But I really hope I don't need to do that. I really just want to go outside and run. <laughs> yeah, this is better. This is more, more of an academic exercise than actual exercise at this point. Well, you know, here in Bogota, every Sunday they close down. I forget how many kilometers worth of roads and they're shut down for pedestrians and cyclists. So we are really used to getting some good long runs in. There's people who hand out water. There's music. So Bogota is, is an incredible running city when it is open. I feel like I need to put the plug in there for that. I know, man. This sounds like Flagstaff with flair. Yeah, and pollution, which is the only and problem. Pollution. <laughs> and pollution. There's always, there's always, you know, what a hair in the soup, I guess, <laughs> to really mess it up. But I was um, really excited to try to go to Colorado and run this summer because it was going to be so low. Oh, my God. That's hysterical. All right, Megan, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been so much fun. I hope that you don't have to do a balcony marathon. But again, if you do, I can't wait to talk to you again. Good luck with everything. And thank you for being a part of the race series. Thank you, Matt. It's been really fun. Hello, Heather, and welcome to the show. Hey, Matt, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm really excited to have you on not only are you a high-level coach, you are an unbelievable runner, and you're someone who can bring in a lot of expertise for all of our folks who are going to be doing the half marathon this coming weekend in the Rambling Runner Virtual Half Marathon Series, or frankly, any half marathon that they choose to run in the future. So first things first, have you, before all this even started, have you ever participated in a virtual race of any sort? No, Matt, I haven't. 
Yeah, so neither had I. This is a brave new world we're entering now with all of this stuff. And I think on some level, you know, the difference between a virtual raise and a time trial is just kind of like how you share it after the fact. So with that being said, when I think of half marathon, I think it's it's like one of those first distances that pop up in my head where it can mean so many things to so many different people, right? You have certain people who view it, you know, fairly close to a threshold effort. And you have other people who, you know, they can't go much faster than an easy pace because they're going to be on their feet for two and a half hours or so. So as a coach, when you're trying to manage your athletes and they're you're, they're trying to figure out what their race pace is and how to manage this distance, what are some of the things that you think about just in regards to the distance and the potential time on feet? Well, I think, Matt, you make a really good point. Um, and that is that the half marathon is... Um, you know, a race that that can be at a variety of different efforts for for different athletes. That's what makes it, um, you know, somewhat difficult for a coach in managing um, how you're going to spend that time on your feet. Um, you know, you've got somebody who's going to run um, something, you know, short of, you know, 80 or, or 90 uh, minutes. And then you've got other people that are going to be out there on their feet for, you know, two and a half or, or possibly even longer, you know, hours. Um, so those are, those are very, very different exposures, um, to effort, to time on feet. Um, and, you know, thereby you would really want to adjust and adapt for those different abilities, um, and also what, you know, what actually, you know, the athlete and, and the coach are looking for in a particular event. The half marathon, again, can often be something that's, that's run at marathon effort as, as part of a workout, um, you know, versus some of the shorter distances that, that often are, you know, almost entirely always raced. Um, you know, the half marathon can take on different things. All right. So are there common themes amongst your runners, even at the high end, in terms of the, the, the fastest end of the spectrum towards the slowest end of the spectrum that you try to incorporate into a half marathon warm up? Um, you know, I would tell you that in most cases, my pre-race strategy is very similar for all athletes. Um you know, you want a nice, easy um, warm up somewhere in the neighborhood of, you know, 15 to 20 minutes, depending again on, on, on perhaps the athlete and the time that they might be out on the course. Um, you want a full set of dynamics. Um, you know, nutrition comes into play. Um, I like to tell my athletes that I really want them to um, have four to 500 calories minimum. Um, and that would be timed out differently depending on the, on, you know, on the person, um, as far as whether that would be 60, 90 minutes or, or even, um, you know, two hours before the race, um, whether they might top off, um, you know, 15 minutes before with a gel, um, I would typically recommend for, and for everybody, um, you know, so I think, you know, the, the warm up part, Matt is pretty similar, um, and, and not that different. You want to get, you know, some blood flow going, you want to get, um, you want to get ready. You're going to run, um, and you're going to run hard, um, no matter whether you're 80 minutes or whether you're two and a half hours. And when you say a full set of dynamics, are there certain dynamic movements that you, uh, want to make sure that people incorporate in their warmup? Um, I like to, you know, I have a series that I like, um, that I like the athletes to do, um, I, you know, toe sweeps, um, you know, moving into um, some knee hugs and some quad pulls into um, open the gate and close the gate, um, some leg swings uh, and kicks. I actually like both. Um, and then moving into something that's a little bit more dynamic, such as high knees, um, some, um, butt kicks, a skips, B skips, um, and, you know, a set of striders, um, you know, and that again can be anywhere from four to six, depending on the athlete, um, before they get going. Yeah. And a lot of those can be found on the McCurdy trained website as well. I know James has done a really good job of posting those and going through them. Um, so if you go to the McCurdy trained website, uh, you can actually find a bunch of videos that highlight a lot of these and even a couple more. And with a lot of these, there, there can be some redundancy. So oftentimes, you know, I tell people that 
you, know, you want to kind of figure out which ones you like most before race day. You know, you don't want to try anything, you know, super dynamic before race day and all of a sudden hurt yourself before you get going. But there's a lot, a lot of things to choose from. That's for sure. And now, that's a mistake, Matt. That's a mistake that a lot of people make is not, you know, a proper warm up. Um, I, I, I know a lot of, of runners that very rarely, if ever, um, do dynamics. Um, and that's a place, you know, we're in a period right now where we can really stop and, um, and spend some time working on, um, some of our, you know, weaknesses. Um, and that's a place where I would encourage all athletes to make sure that they are incorporating into, if not every run, certainly, um, you know, before your quality session, you know, workouts and, and before a race. Absolutely. Now, as we get going, first mile, two miles, so to speak, you know, we have the 5K and the 10K, especially when you're doing a time trial and people are left to their own devices and they might not have the course marked out ahead of time like you would see on a, you know, a typical race situation. Oftentimes, people can go out too fast. I'm raising my hand here because I actually ran out too fast. Funny story for you, Heather. Before the virtu- For the virtual 5K, I went out to do it on a Saturday you know, even though I was prepared, telling myself, don't go out too fast, I went out too fast, and then had to stop at the two mile mark, because I had nothing left, I had to rerun it the next day, because I had timed myself so poorly, leading up to that day, luckily, the 10k went a lot better. But when you have someone going into the half marathon, knowing what that effort could be, how do you talk to them about the best way to make sure that they don't make the same mistake I did, before uh, or going into that race? Well, um, that is a common um, mistake that we all make. Um, and I raise my hand as well. Um, you know, you can get particularly in a, in a race environment, um, you can get, you know, overexcited um, and, um, and get going. Um, but I think that a, a solid race plan, you know, from, from your coach, um, understanding what the pace um, is that, uh, and the effort is that you can run for, you know, X distance. Um, and in the case of the, you know, half marathon, 13.1 miles, um, you have the beauty of correcting in that kind of distance, unlike, you know, what you just said in a 5k, um, which can be, you know, sort of startling, um, because that, that effort will stop you if you, if you overextend it, um, in the half marathon, in the marathon, um, I actually went out too fast in Indy, um, and um, I, I won't tell you what what James, my coach, said to me because um, it's it's um, a little bit of some foul language. Um, but um, having said that, <laughs> um, uh, he basically said, "You can bleep me out, right, Matt?" He said, "Don't f- this up, Heather." Um, so what what happened was um, I I was I had an elite start, so I was on the starting line with with all of um, you know these uh, very fast um, Olympic trials qualifiers um, and so forth. Um, you in the half marathon and the marathon, you can you know if you don't see your watch at the you know eight hundred meter mark or 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 thereabouts. Um, certainly when the mile beeps, um, you know you can look at that. And I I made a very serious correction by over thirty seconds for mile two. Um, because I went, I went that fast in mile one. Um, and I held pace and, 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 and ran my fastest marathon by over 10 minutes, um, by making that correction. Um, you really have to pay attention, um, in all racing, but I would tell you in the half because of the effort that you're extending, which is, you know, somewhere around threshold, um, if, if you're racing that. Um, to make sure that you are not running too fast too early. Yeah. So you basically, and you are an experienced racer. You, you're not you're not new to this game in any sense. And even you went out basically at 10k pace for a marathon, which is startling. You know, for any runner to be like, whoa, I need to slow down here. One trick I know that people can use, especially if they're incorporating a warm up on the same area that they're planning on racing, is you know your watch will have a pace setting that kind of tells you in real time how fast you're going. That typically doesn't work great in, in, in over a, a short sample size. So if you're running, say, 200 meters, that real-time pace 
could be off and could be off by a wide margin. However, the distance function on your watch is probably pretty good. So if you go out and do your warm up, you can look to see, okay, what's a quarter of a mile in? Is there a landmark I can I can notice? How about a half mile in? Is there a landmark I can notice? And then as you start your race, instead of worrying about what the pace setting is on your watch, just look at the overall time. So say you're going to go out and run eight minute mile pace. I'm just picking that out because the math is easy. Say, okay, well, at the quarter mile mark, I should see two minutes on my clock. At the half mile mark, look to see four minutes. So that way you're looking at hard numbers and not an algorithm that's trying to figure out your overall pace. Yeah, that's a great um, idea. Might be somewhat complicated for some people. They, I, Even though that math seems rather easy, I have many people who tell me that they can't do that, that math. <laughs> so, um, but I do think that that's a great idea. You know, I often recommend that the day before or the morning of that you go out and, you know, your striders or your warm up is, is there, you know, right on the, on the course, on the start finish. Um, and you can, you can certainly um, map out and look at, you know, what the time should be on your watch. I definitely, the pace under a short distance can, cannot be accurate. Um, so that's, that's a tricky one. Um, I think the best thing to do and what I really work with my athletes on, and I have to tell you on, you know, on the whole over the course of the last year, um, they've gotten, you know, remarkably good at this is when you're racing a distance such as the half marathon or the marathon, you do, you have time and you really should be warming in, um, to that event. Um, you would certainly warm in, you know, faster on a half marathon, but, you know, your first mile or two should not be your fastest, would not necessarily be um, on pace. Um, and you should be um, just, you know, working your way in. And, you know, by the time that you get to the second mile in the half marathon, and certainly by the time that you get to the, you know, 5K, 10K in the marathon, you should be looking to be on, on pace. All right, let's talk about how the pace should feel if someone either doesn't have a GPS watch or just doesn't trust their GPS watch. Say someone's running on a trail or someone's running in an area where the the watch can be notoriously finicky. Um, How should half marathon pace feel to somebody who's running, especially within, say, the first 10 miles before they're really trying to kick it in? Again, I would tell you that that's going to feel different for, um, you know, for different athletes, for somebody that's running, um, let's say, a 80 to 90 minute half marathon, um, it's going to feel comfortably hard. And what does that mean from a, from a, say, for, say from a breathing perspective? Okay, so comfortably hard, obviously, there's, there's a couple different systems in play here. Um, you have, you, know, you have how, how it feels with your legs, you have how it feels with your breath. How would you describe the breathing element of comfortably hard? Oh gosh, that's a really hard one. Um, that's a good question, Matt. Um, you're going to be, um, you're going to be breathing. Um, again, I would say comfortably hard. You're going to, you're going to be, it's, it shouldn't hurt. Um, you certainly don't want to be um, breathing um, too hard, but you're going to be, you should be, it should be a, gosh, Matt, I, Matt, I don't know how to answer that. Relaxed, um, but at effort. Right. Yeah. See, the one thing, again, we all can kind of like use ourselves as a guinea pig in that sense. And one thing that I feel like when I've run good half marathons, it's felt like I was certainly on the aerobic side of threshold pace, not the anaerobic side, but I felt like if I sped up a little bit, I might cross the line. Yeah. I I think, you know, maybe that's a good way of putting it, of sort of riding that edge um, between, um, you know, anaerobic and aerobic. Um, You're going to be, you're going to be working an effort that is going and going to, and should feel hard, but not killing yourself. Um, you're, um, it's just, you know, it's just too big a difference. It's, it's too large a distance to cover. Um, if you're at, you know, an anaerobic effort too early in, in the race. Um, so, 
Um, you know, riding that edge is a very, very hard, um, you know, that takes practice. Um, you know, so a lot of workouts um, where you're, you know, running at, um, you know, a, a two mile, you know, a, a large, you know, may, maybe a, a, a lot of sets of um, 1Ks at, you know, threshold effort. Um, uh, some, um, some mile repeats, um, as well as, you know, some two mile and even three mile, my favorite half marathon workout is a three by three. Um, so, um, where you're, you know, feeling that effort, you have some recovery, um, and then you're back at, um, you know, what is going to be the edge that you're going to be riding during that, you know, during that race. All right. Let's talk about the the course that people can set up for themselves because you know in this situation this is all like do it yourself and with a with a 10k or a 5k the course you know the, the kind of course you run on isn't nearly as important because you're probably not taking in any nutrition or any serious nutrition especially for most people not any water during a, a 5k and maybe even a 10k however in a half marathon that isn't necessarily the case so can you talk a little bit about how to set up a course also and how that relates to the kind of nutrition that the athlete may need during the race? Um, that's a great question for everybody that's going to be now their own race director and setting their own course up. Um, I think the beauty, you know, of this, um, you know, uh, virtual racing and and time trials is, you know, you have the ability to set up a course. Um, you know, people often favor certain um, kinds of runs, whether that be point to point or a loop and out and back. Um, you have the ability um, in in this environment to set your own course, and in doing so, um, you can um, you can think about how and or place. Um, you know, water, um, you know, typically I would tell you to carry gels on you if you need them. Um, you're not going to need gels if you're running 80 to 90 minutes. Um, you shouldn't need that. Um, your body, um, should have, um, you know, should, should be, um, able to adjust that, um, and, um, and, and not need to take in, anything for that kind of effort over that period of time. Um, the body has enough energy storage to work. Um, if you are going over, you know, an hour and 40, an hour and 50 minutes, um, you might, um, you, I, I shouldn't say you might, I think you should have um, a gel um, or two or three, depending again on the time that you're going to be out on that course. Um, typically, we like to say somewhere in the neighborhood of 200 calories um, per hour. Um, I encourage all athletes to take to take fuel over time, not distance. So you would take one gel every 25 to 30 minutes if you were going to be out on a workout or a race or a course for anything over an hour and 40, 45 minutes. Um, you know, you can, again, in this environment, not only can you design your own course, you can design your day, you can design your weather per se, you can look at the week. Um, you know, you have the ability to actually place people out on the course um, that maybe you can't get close to right now. You can place family members that live in your house, maybe at the finish or the start. Um, but you can put people out on the course at various points. Um, again, practicing social distancing. Um, I'm actually recommending 20 to 25 feet. Um, and put them out around. I did um, your series um, last weekend with a bunch of my athletes around the country. Um, many were um, not entirely on board um, and um, sort of daunted by the whole idea of running and racing by themselves and I'm um, still sort of reeling off of their spring, you know, events being canceled and, um, you know, fitness and, and, and so forth. 
And they actually had an extraordinary time, Matt. So I'm going to say thank you. I had people who said to me, best day I had in the last three weeks. And I had everybody run, you know, PRs, personal, personal records, personal bests. Um, and I had a couple athletes that I staged um, as um, and started in a staggered start. I'm um, 20 to 25 seconds apart. Um, we had various family members um, along the course in their cars um, with signs, um, you know, cheering on. Um, you know, and, you know, in that same, you know, vein, you could actually have a family member, um, you know, have water for you if you're going to be out on that course. Um, because again, we do recommend that you take, if you're taking fuel, um, typically you, you, you need hydration, you know, to, to chase that. Um, so, you know, you might be, you know, timed in to, um, you know, 90 minutes, um, you know, two hours, um, and have somebody or be on a looped course where somebody can be and, 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 and grab some water. Um, you know, these are all things that you can do to make it fun, to have it, you know, more simulate um, an actual race. Right. And, ex- and I just want to reiterate what you said there, just to make sure that no one is confused or no one takes the wrong, wrong tone with this, is that we're not advocating running in groups on any level, that there is, you know, you know, you're talking 20 seconds, you're talking like 75 meters between people in this situation, and they would be taking fuel from someone who they live with. This is not like, you know, that they'd be getting fuel from from the same person that other people are getting fuel from, that there is literally, this is extreme social distancing, and you'd be so separated from other individuals that someone who was watching the proceedings wouldn't really have no idea that you were even connected to this other individual. Yes, yes. I had, you know, as I said, people around the country who ran by themselves. And this was three athletes distanced on, you know, in in what I would say under normal terms is rather extreme, um, but was totally appropriate for for what we were doing. Because as I said, I'm airing, I'm not really six feet, I'm, I'm thinking 20 to 25. And um, these these three were even further than that because I wanted to make sure at the effort that they were running that there was you know no no chance that anybody was going to come anywhere near, um, and it was their family members that were you know um, out out um, on the course people that they live with. And in, in in that in that case, Heather, I'll just reiterate there too is that like if you're doing that with somebody again, we're talking about taking extreme measures. Also, have the person who's going first be the fastest. So that and then proceed down the line. That way, there's no no issues with potential passing. There was no yes, yeah, yeah. There's no there was no um that yeah no no the no the pace that they're going to run. They were my athletes, so I knew yeah. So I'm not recommending that um that you go out and do this. Um, I did this as a coach. Um, I know I know the distances. I know I know the pace. I knew the course. I knew what the athletes were going to run, and I staggered them in a way that was um, airing on extreme caution. Um, so there was no way. I, you know, when we're out and running today, um, you know, I'm advocating that you, um, you know, in passing that you really, again, 25 feet, um, you know, or more, um, my recommendation to my athletes has been that you float to the other side of the road. Um, if you have a bicycle, you know, cyclist, you know, oncoming, eyes up, um, vigilant. Um, and I, I don't think, I, I mean, I have said when I've been asked um, that passing, um, you know, you really should, you should float to the other side of the road. Um, and then, you know, after, you know, um, 25, again, so feet, um, you float back, um, onto your side of the road. Um, you know, if you can avoid, um, you know, paths and sidewalks where it's crowded, um, you know, again, for your race environment so that you're not, you know, weaving, um, you know, a, 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 a lot, um, that's probably good, um, you know, the roads are pretty clear. Um, traffic patterns are down given the stay at home orders. Um, so this is an opportunity actually to run, you know, some of the places you might not normally run also. That's a great point. All right, Heather, before we get going, do you want to say anything to people about just what it's like and the importance of running in these crazy times? Oh, gosh, Matt. I think, um, you know, I think that running... 
um, is um, more important <laughs> today um, than actually, um, you know, I, 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 I view running um, any day we can run um, as a great day. Um, as athletes, uh, we, we, we know this um, because we have, you know, encountered um, times in our life, you know, either through, you know, injury, rehabilitation, um, family, um, you know, needs, um, travel, um, jobs, careers, um, and so forth, you know, times where we haven't been able to run. So any, any time that we can run, um, and certainly during this time right now, we can run. Um, and, um, you know, races have never been the only reason that I ran. Um, you know, they never were. Um, I don't, I actually don't race very often at all. Um, I raced more in the last six months than I've raced in, in any calendar year in my life. Um, but this is an opportunity um, to, as I said earlier, to work on weaknesses, to put yourself out there um, in a virtual or a time trial, um, maybe, you know, more often, um, you know, under, um, under your own, um, you know, will, if you will, um, and really sort of push and um and see you know what you can do some some people are actually scared of racing um you know for a variety of reasons and i think this gives people an opportunity to to really go out there and push on their own um and um and and in that they will find um a great beauty um in um you know, what they can do and, and, and what their body can do. I mean, I just found people last weekend, Matt, really surprised, um, that, um, that they were able to do in this environment under the stress that we're going through, um, to run their best. And any day we can do that is a great day. Well said, Heather. Thank you so much for jumping on. It's been a pleasure. Okay, Matt. Good to talk to you. Carrie Tollison, welcome back to the show. Hey, Matt. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. I'm so excited to have you on. You have been the cheerleader amongst all of us running podcasters. As we get going, we have this group text going. And I'll tell you what, you're the person who's always there with the positive, uplifting commentary. I'm excited to get you on because we're coming down to it, man. We got the finale right around the corner. Oh, oh. Don't remind me, I've only had three days off last week. So, um, <laughs> I, you know, I'm well rested, like I said, but I love this. It's fun. I mean, to be honest, I get super nervous for these things, not even because I'm trying to really compete. It's because I know it's going to hurt, but I always come back like the rest of the day, Matt, it has given me like purpose. It makes me feel good. There's a confidence, even though I know I'm so much slower than I once was. It's just, it's fun to run hard and, and, you know, make you feel like you can do hard things again. Yeah. See, that's, that's an interesting point because like, obviously like you're not as fast as you once were and most of us aren't, but I think for you, it's, it's more of a stark difference because, you know, you were at the, the height of, you know, you were one of the best in the world at what you did before. And now again, you're extremely fast. You finished third in, uh, in each of our, <laughs> or in each of our, our races so far, the 5k and the 10k. So when you think about it in terms of like just relative effort, and, you know, seeing if you can push yourself to the limit, no matter your fitness, have you feel like you're kind of at that point? Have you like tapped into that like last 2% that you want to hit in your, during your race? Or are you, have you been kind of, uh, um, pacing yourself a bit? So, you know, my thing is, is I have an engine, right? That's been going for years. So my heart is really, it's strong. And at least I think it is. Um, and I think it could handle going a lot faster. But my legs are wimpy. I've lost all kinds of muscle. And I can't really go much faster, partly because I have I don't have any strength left. Like, I think if I really worked on my strength and actually and you know what? I am not sandbagging when I say I don't do anything like now you have seen my Strava like for the last month. You've seen my Strava. I have done two hard efforts. And those are those two races that you helped me sign up for. Um, you know, I go out and I run pretty hard, but I don't do intervals anymore. I don't really go and do hills. I do some long runs. Yes, I did a little bit of work for my marathon last fall, which you got me on afterwards. But 
Um, you know what? I think uh, right now I'm kind of riding on fumes, if I can say that. Like I had so many years of doing hard stuff that now I have God-given ability, I guess, to go a little bit quicker. But I also just, I think I can will myself a little bit. And I also have an engine that can go. But my legs, I'm telling you, Matt, they are just shot. Like, you know, you and I always talk about basketball. It's like me being in, well, I used to play four quarters. So like the third quarter and, you know, just trying to get up the court and not being able to do the layup anymore. Like it's, I just have no power. Oh, I love that comparison. That's great. Yeah. For me, you know, I, I, uh, it, it depends if I'm talking about high school or college. Um, you know, third quarter, I usually could, I usually would get a little bit of time in the third quarter before they, they bench my butt for the fourth quarter. <laughs> high school though, high school though, I, 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 I'm right with you. You know, I was also thinking like the 400 meters, like that 100, like during the turn, you're like, yeah. oh, just get me through this. Gosh, darn it. Just get me through this. Yeah. Like if you look at my stats, I don't know how, I don't even really know how Strava works. I, signed up for it because of this. So I'm, I'm learning, but you know, it's always three quarters of the way through the effort, whether it was 5k or the 10k. And it's almost like my mind forgot I was supposed to be trying to run hard. And I just kind of go into that comfort mode of 615, 620. And then I'm like, Oh, no, I got to keep pushing. So uh, but yeah, I've loved it. My friend Ben Camp, who is Heather Camp's um, other half, he's his her husband. He is my training partner. He is the only guy I've run with now since all this COVID-19 has come out. And, um, you know, he stays off to the side about six to 10 feet away. But just to have somebody that's so fit and he can talk his way through. We're talking about retirement. We're talking about, you know, career. We're talking about our houses. We're still talking through these runs, but he's getting a lot more in. And I'm starting to grunt by the end of it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> on my run yesterday, I was listening to Lindsay Hines podcast with Des Linden. And she actually yeah. brought up during that podcast, you know, this, this challenge that we're doing. And she's <laughs> just like you. She was like, man, I'm getting really nervous for this. Like, I'm getting more nervous for this than, than other races that I'm doing. Yeah. And it's funny because I feel the same way because you're I love to hear the reason for your nervousness. I feel like mine is embedded in the fact that I'm just out there all alone and mm-hmm. that it's just like. Oh my goodness. Like, not that like you can blame any negativity or any poor results on anyone else anyway, but it like mm-hmm. brings it into stark relief. They're like, this is all on you, baby. You better make this work. <laughs> I know. I think my nervousness is that I don't have that work behind me to go out and actually get it done at a decent pace. Like, I don't know. I don't think people care at all anymore, Matt. Like, they really don't. I mean, I've run 15.04 for the 5K, and now do they really get a kick out of seeing me run 18.06 or 18.10 or whatever I did? I don't know, (laughs) but I still get nervous. It still brings me back to the days of racing, and, you know, maybe that's why, like, I don't race as much anymore. I don't know, but I still get that thrill after it, even though I know I'm slow or slower. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a funny thing. And now I'm like thinking about next week and I was so thankful I had time to recover from those last two races because I was tired and I was sore. So I'm thankful you gave us a week off in between because I don't know how it would have gone if we did it this weekend. Well, I had to give you some space so you could run the marathon in a month. Oh, I don't know if I could do that. (laughs) (laughs) Are you going to run the marathon? I think if if I do it, the running will be in quotes for sure. It'll be more like a run. I'll be okay. like, I'll be, I'll be doing the Jeff Galloway run walk. I think through that. Sucker. Yeah. Well, can, so what weekend is the marathon then? Is it that last weekend of April? I think it's May 15th. I think there's like a four week, a four week gap. Oh, um, well maybe, maybe I could, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I might, I might have to like take plenty of breaks, do some Instagram lives during it or some walk <laughs> yeah. breaks. I don't know. But, but we'll see. Exactly. Well, I, what, well, I want to get how you've done in the beginning of these races. Cause for me, the 5k, if you already know this a little bit, but I didn't dive into it too much with you. Mm-hmm. Like the, my first attempt at the 5k was an utter disgrace. I like was so amped, but at the same time, I was like, all right, you know what level of shape you're in. It's not what your your normal shape is, you know. Yeah. If if we're talking about shapes, my shape is round at this point. But Whatever. like try to get try to get like try to go into this with a level head. I actually started on a slight incline to like 
make myself slow down, it completely didn't work. Usually I'm good at like <laughs> holding back in a race because I'll look at other people because I race locally all the time. So I'm like, all right, this yeah. person is someone who I know if I stay with them, I won't be going out too hard. So I like will usually mm -hmm. do something like that. <laughs> I don't have that that going on this time. So the first one, I basically, after two miles, I was done. I was donezo. So I actually had on the Saturday morning, cut, you know, cut it at two miles and then had to retry the 5k the next day. And it was like, I oh my goodness. Talk about sore on Monday. I basically did a two mile time trial on Saturday and then a three mile time trial on Sunday. And on Monday I was, you know, doing a, a nap, a nap time trial, I guess, for, the, for all intents and purposes. I know. Well, we were texting that morning. You're like, I'm getting ready to do it again. And I'm like, come on now, you can do this. Like, you know, we were just going back and forth, giving you a little advice. And, you know, it was hard for me too, though. I started out uh, about 20 seconds faster than I wanted to for the first mile. Because like I said, like this says, I really haven't done anything fast. So maybe the fastest I've gone since my marathon in October is what I guess it's been probably like a six. 20 mile and that's on a normal run day. So I had no clue what to expect, Matt. And so then I went yeah. out and I ran 541 or something for the first mile. And I was like, Oh, here we go. And it did. The monkey jumped on the back for a while there. And then I sprinted it home. So I feel like the 5k is like the exact opposite of how like people will talk about like their like their their desire to have kids again after like a year of childbirth like oh you, you kind of forget the pain and you just like you look yeah. like oh i just want to have a baby again i feel like a 5k is the exact opposite like you all you remember is the pain so that <laughs> at the beginning of the at the beginning of the race you're like all right i need to run hard because i know this i know like the whole point of this is that like i'm going to be hurt yeah. i'm really going to be like dying at the end and it's like hard to remember if you don't race these that often that like you're really like not breathing that hard in the first mile. And like, it's one thing to yeah. know that academically, but it's another thing to live it. And like, I feel like that was my, that was my sticking point. I was like, I'm not, I'm not feeling this. I need to speed up. But like, obviously that yeah. ended up being my undoing. Whereas like the 10 K, I was like, all right, this is supposed to be threshold pace, roughly speaking. All right. Well, I know mm -hmm. what that means. And I was able to kind of like chill out a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The 10 K for me was a little bit better, but that's where my legs started to feel it, you know, like my quads. It's almost like I have that ache in my quads that it's down to the bone, you know, it's like a toothache by mile four. I just the pounding or something. And I deliberately kind of went downhill the first. I don't know how long that that hill is. We have Fort Snelling National Park. They have the fort above and then down below. It's a really pretty area. And so we went down this hill there in the beginning. So then I had this flat spot to run for the last part. And oh, I don't know if the hills got me early on or what, but it was not pretty. My quads were shot. That's for sure. But I had fun. Like I said, I mean, it's fun to work hard and to actually like get it done. Yeah, I agree. All right. So let's talk about this team competition now. So you've came, you've come in third both times. Lauren Flores uh, got you by about 20 seconds in the 10K. Uh, Lauren's from the Up and Running podcast, who also uh, ran the Olympic trials in the marathon. Uh, she's kicking butt. So her and Lindsay Hine are dominating right now. We're doing the cross-country scoring. They have 15 <laughs> points. And then we got a little glut there. Second, third, and fourth. Mario and I are 18. Mario Frioli, that is. Abby Stanley, also the Up and Running podcast. And Jason Fitzgerald from the Strength of Running podcast are at 19 points. And then you and Chris Chavez are at 20 points. And you're in fourth. I got to be honest. I have high hopes for Chris coming into this half marathon. Chris has done really well in a number of races. I feel like he has made this challenge like part of his, like a, like a, like part of workouts are part of the challenge. So hopefully I think he can come in. I think he could get, you know, maybe fourth or fifth or so for the half marathon. If he really like, do we know Chris's, um, do we know his half marathon PR? I don't know his half marathon PR. I know his marathon PR is around 303. Mm -hmm. and, and mine's I know he 251. The, so we're pretty go. close. Yeah, and he raises all the close. time at the armory. I mean, this was pre-COVID. Yeah. So I think he's got, and he also has the peer pressure of, you know, all of his best friends are like all these really good runners <laughs> in the New York City area who are all like kicking butt all the time and going to the trials and, 
you know, doing all, <laughs> sponsored by Nike. Like his whole group is like professional runners. So I feel like, you know, Chris is like the wild card here. So he ended up running 43.57 in the 10K, but I think he just like cruised it as part of like a cool down after a workout. So I think if he could go out and run like a 130 and a half, you know, it's like a whole new world. You guys can grab second here. Well, you know, I mean, I'm hoping Chris and I could do this. I don't know what he's banking on me. Like, that's the problem. I do call myself and I am an Olympian, but I'm old and washed up. So, you know, I don't know. I'm think I'm thinking I can handle I can handle maybe 630, maybe 640 for the half. The problem for me right now is if I warm up too much, I'm going to get tired. Like I was just thinking that the other day. I'm like, maybe I should just start my watch right when I leave the house and do 13.1 miles right then and there. And then, you know, let myself warm up into the race because I haven't done a 13 mile long run in ages. I've done 10. I guess I did get 12 in when I did my 5k because I had a long warm up and long cool down. But um, yeah, I don't know. I'm thinking if I could run like a 126, 125, that would be good. And if Chris could hammer out a 130 or 131, that would be awesome. Now, now we have to talk about weather here because this is the time of year where weather is such a, is so different in different parts of the world. Because I have, you know, friends who live in Dallas area. They're in like 90 degree weather right now. You right. are living in a snowstorm right now. So what's the weather yeah. going to be like next, next week for you guys? I don't know. And I don't have a treadmill. So if, if we get something like this again, which, you know, we've had 18 inches of snow um, just in the last couple of years in April. Um, so we'll have to see. But I think next week looks to be better than this weekend. Today, yesterday was 62 degrees. Today, 32. And we have like four or five inches of snow. It's crazy around here. That is wild. So you might be ice skating this sucker. You might just be going on black yeah. ice all 13 miles. Ah, hey, that might be good for me. well see this is where you can like throw up like how tough minnesota is i was telling i was talking to someone else about this the other day it's like i don't know any other state that just claims like straight out like we're tougher than you like minnesota does like some cities are like that but i just feel like as a Mm -hmm. state minnesota is just like all right everyone here is just tougher than everyone else i mean i'm pretty much gonna say that's the truth (laughs) (laughs) i think we are tough as nails here and I don't know what it is, but when you, if you're going to, you know, throw weather in our face, well, hey, bring it. We're not afraid of anything. But I will tell you, the older I get, the wimpier I get. So I like 60 degrees, no wind, no rain, just nice and, you know, pretty weather out there. I'll take that any day. But I guess if next weekend, if it's negative four with sideways wind, you, you know, I'll still be out there. Oh, for sure. You have like the ski goggles on, running with those suckers. Yeah. Maybe a little mask. Last, not even, not even, not even I, like a COVID mask. The, just like, just like a oh, stay, yeah, I'll have it try all. to stay warm mask. But you know, last weekend that during the 10K, I still had a, a vest on, a puffy vest. I mean, it was cold. So, you know, we, we've been having kind of every type of, you know, weather right now. And we're, we're due for some good, nice spring, early summer days. I love it. All right. Carrie, thank you so much for being a part of this. This has been so much fun. And I get messages all the time that people like following this stuff and seeing how all of us are doing or not doing in certain cases like myself. Um, now, I would be remiss if I didn't ask, what do you want to share anything that's coming up on your show, the C. Tolly Run Show in the future? Sure. I have Evan Jagger coming up on Thursday. And I'm telling you, what a class act of a guy. Silver medalist from the last Olympic Games. He's our steeplechase American record holder. And, you know, he talked a lot about what's happening right now, how they're training through this. But also, he, he's coming back from a big injury, and he really wanted to get his Olympic standard out of the way. He wanted to make that Olympic team and go for the gold. I mean, this guy, I think, is like 13th fastest steeplechaser ever. And he's run eight eight zero zero point four six or something for the steeple. He wants to crack eight minutes, but really a great guy. And, yeah, I have some fun stuff coming up this month. I'm trying to get a few people from Minnesota that right are on the front lines of Minnesota. Um, you know, I'm just right now in my podcast, I'm just kind of going with what feels good. I'm not searching for people. It's just kind of what's coming up in the conversation. And life is hard right now. You know, both of us have kids at home. 
I'm nervous for my family members. I'm nervous for my friends. I'm nervous for a lot of people that I work with in New York City. I work for New York Roadrunners. And all of my friends right there, just in the thick of it and all over the country, we want our runners to be racing again and having fun. But most importantly, we want everyone healthy. So I appreciate what you're doing, Matt. People are excited about doing you know, this series. They're excited about getting healthy or getting fit. And it's just fun to see your positivity and and you always bring the excitement to life. So we love what you're doing. And I'm thankful that you asked me to be a part of it. Hey, my pleasure. You're always a bright light, Carrie. I really appreciate it. Yeah. So we're going to get going. Good luck next weekend in the half. And then maybe maybe we oh, can geez. like walk together virtually during yeah. the marathon. <laughs> Please. Yes, let me walk. <laughs> All right. Talk to you later. Thanks, Matt. Megan, Carrie, Heather, thank you all for being part of this episode. Even more so, thank you, the listener, for being part of it as well. If you haven't already done so, go to the Strava Run Club for the Rambling Runner. Register today after your race, whether you do the half marathon or the marathon. You'll see the links in that page where you can upload and type in your race result for those races to be part of the official race results Thank you so much. Also, thank you to our sponsors, Synchronit, the best socks that I own. I love those guys. Athletic Greens, which is helping me eat better and just have a more nutritious, vibrant um, dietary lifestyle. And lastly, McCurdy Train, who is helping athletes from across the globe become the best version of their athletic selves. Thank you so much for sponsoring these shows and this series. And frankly, if it wasn't for these guys, this series wouldn't be free. So go check them out today. I believe in all of them and I use all of them. That's for sure. So thank you so much for listening, rating, reviewing, and most importantly, sharing the show with your friends and family. Have a great day and happy running. This has been a production of Rambling Runner Podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of InPost Media. Thank you to Meta P for the music. His song, Righteous Path, featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu, is produced by Symphonic Bang. Yeah. Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest estates these days. This representation of storm brewing, amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry.